welcome back. You've reached the landing spot. I'm Sammy. And I'm Lauren. And welcome to today's episode. Welcome to the brunch edition of Ooh. Landing Spot. Because Ooh, yes. typically we set um, the in our calendars that we were going to talk after dinner on Sunday nights. Um, we were going to cook and relax and then press record. But we actually have plans tonight. Yes, tonight we are going to see an acapella Broadway musical show with so friends excited. from our school. Shout out to Mallory. Thank you for hooking us up. Woo! So we decided to wake up. Um, actually, no, we didn't wake up early. We slept in. And we then we made pancakes. Oh, and... Sammy, you made the best pancakes <laughs> in the world this morning. Thank you. And uh, here we are. Ready to speak with you all on three amazing topics this morning. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on this morning. So today's episode is named Sex, Chocolate Chip Cookies, and Supta Varasana, or Heroes Pose, Reclined Heroes Pose. Reclined Heroes Pose, yes. Um, But before we dive in, we want to tell you a little bit more about the title of our podcast. Oh yeah, that's true, because one of our listeners was asking, (laughs) why the landing landing spot? spot? I feel like this came to you. This was your brainchild. Well, this all started back in September, October. Yeah. I was living in the Chateau from mid-August to mid-September. Yes. And as you can tell, with Sammy casually referring to her previous living space as the Chateau, naming where we live is really important to us. Yes. Facts. Um, And Sammy, have you talked about what your, like transition here to Spain was like? I don't think so. Um, I mean, a little bit last week, but I'm going to definitely go into that story another time. Okay. I just feel like that's like a pivotal part of why the show okay. is named what it's named. So a little context, because I don't want to yeah, be carried away in this. Yeah, just a tiny bit of context. Um, when I arrived, I lived in one location for a month, and then the housing fell through. There were 12 days of floating around homelessness, and then Susanna, the goddess, dropped down from above and just so happened that she was going to be going home to Canada and was still letting her apartment for a month and was going to let me uh, live there. And her place is so beautiful. It's so amazing. It was a former dance studio. Uh, So it's just like this vastly open ballroom space, and there's a kitchen, there's like a really quiet little private nook where the bed is. Um, it was a dream come true. And so the second that I walked into it, I immediately started calling it the Chateau because it was so luxurious and glamorous. Oh, and there's a fucking bathtub. Oh, a the, bathtub. The walk-in closet with a bathtub. It was so amazing. And it's also <laughs> on what? The like sixth floor, fifth floor of yeah. this building. And it has two sets of these big doors that open up to this beautiful outside long balcony that spans like the whole length of yes. a room. And it just opens up to this great courtyard. view. Yeah, Barcelona. You can see Sagrada Familia. Oh, it is the Chateau. So it's the Chateau. And Lauren came over for... Um, I don't know, probably about five dinners Mm. and we cooked and we sat and we manifested our dream apartment. And the day that we sat down and like wrote down a list of all the things we really wanted in a beautiful space, the title of that page was the landing spot. Yeah. We had to say, we had to really take some time to think about what was it that we wanted and what did we want to name it? And especially after just everything that Sammy had been through being shuffled from house to house, moving across the world, like being here, what was it that we wanted? And like, 
We wanted to land. I mean, you wanted to land. I didn't want to feel like I was free falling anymore. Exactly. And I going to catch us. And I have been living, you know, I haven't named my previous apartment. I feel like I need to come up with a name for it. But I have been living in my pre, I think, I think we're just going to call it the hostel. That's the name of it. Oh my it. god, that's perfectly yeah. fitting. Yeah, so I've been living uh, in the revolving hostel. revolving door. Yeah, yeah, the hostel, the hostel. for um, a year and a half. And I felt like I needed a place to land too because, mm-hmm. again, as I mentioned last time, we rented the place in, um, we rented our rooms. We didn't rent the place in general. Right. And so after living with 13 different roommates in the span of a year, I also needed a spot to land. Yes. And so here we are. Here we are. Speaking to you from the kitchen table of the landing spot. That initial list that we made with all of the things that we possibly could have wanted into apartment, wanted in an apartment, yes, are in this apartment, yes, with the exception <laughs> of a bathtub. Correct. <laughs> we can't have everything in life. We can't have everything. We got a little tease of one at one point, but we're very happy with where we are now. So um, it was only fitting that when we decided to move forward with our podcast plan that we called the podcast the landing spot. Yes. So welcome. You've reached the landing spot. All right, Lauren. So just remember that this podcast is our podcast and we've opened ourselves up to an audience, but that doesn't negate the fact that this is the two of us having a conversation. So whatever you feel comfortable speaking about on this topic, I want you to fucking go there. Be vulnerable. Sammy's giving me a pep talk because today's topic is sex. And I don't know you very well yet, listeners. Yeah, we don't even know who's listening right now. <laughs> and this is a pretty, you know, intimate topic. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I mean, just a little bit of context. I think we had explained that, like, these themes come up based on what we, you know, things that came up for us over the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. So I'm really, I think I'm just going to tell the story today that, like, situated this theme and, like, all of the questions of, like, what does this is going to sound ridiculous but like what does sex abroad mean and look like especially after you move across the world and so today actually i want to start out with the story of um my previous partner i think because that was like really um that's just a big part of the story and it's a good one so um, Sammy, I first told you this story when we were in the chateau, yeah. actually, yeah. and now I, f- I feel like bringing it back. Yeah, let's episode. revisit it. Um, okay, so before when I lived in Madison, I lived in a house with Mel, as you learned, my previous domestic partner, current <laughs> best friend, and um, below us there was this beautiful, beautiful neighbor who lived below us. And um, he became a good friend in the three years that I lived there. I would like go downstairs after a long day of teaching, maybe like have a cup of tea or we would cook or eat together. Um, And I just like fell in love with him. And at this time I had been dating other people. He had been dating other people. It was like nothing intense. We were just friends, but finally uh, a point came in our lives where we were like, let's give this a try. Yep. And so actually it was after I had already gotten the job to move to Barcelona. And at this point, um, he had just moved across town and, um, we, we had started dating and like very quickly the, I mean, the connection had just been realized after all of those years of living above each other and just knowing each other well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the day before I moved was 
the first time we said I love you to each other aloud and also was the day that we broke up because I was moving across the world and like that had to be that yeah um and that transition was so jarring and so hard and like just moving to Barcelona my whole body was so confused like I just remember like lying in bed and just like missing him with every cell of my body and like it's funny because even that that would happen in Madison whenever we were still around each other. If I hadn't seen him for a couple of days, my whole body would just like really crave him and want wow. to see him. And so like that feeling wasn't so foreign, but the feeling that like there was an ocean between us now was something that like my physical body just couldn't understand. Like it was like I don't understand mm-hmm. why why you can't see him, you know? And um it was hard and it was also like really really important to me because i like i loved him with my whole heart like and your soul, whole body my and whole body <laughs> yes and like i still i still have so much love for him um but in moving here it was really important that like i gave myself a chance to have my life here and like i needed my head and heart and body and soul here um and mel mel put it really good once whenever um she was going through a hard breakup and she was like it's difficult it's hard to break someone else's heart but like a lot of times what did you say it was like it's hard to break someone else's heart but it's hard to break your own heart too and like I feel like that's how a lot of breakups really are where like you're not only breaking breaking two hearts at once yeah you're breaking two hearts at once and that's what it felt like and so then coming to Barcelona it was just so confusing because like here I am yeah here I am in a new place and like what do what do I want how do I move forward and like how do we how do we move out of this yeah um so that I think just going from like waking up in the same bed together that morning and then like going to bed that night in a completely different country with all of your stuff and just like everything being completely new and completely different sounds so traumatizing. It was crazy. The one thing that was like slightly different, I I woke up with him in Madison. Then that night I spent the night at my parents' oh, house. You did. Yeah, okay. so I drove because they live in the Cedarburg area. Oh, okay. And so in the Milwaukee area. I thought it was like the same day. Like it was no, 24 hours. No, it was a span of 48 hours. Still. But it still was like, yeah, I went to bed at my parents' house and then the next day I woke up in a totally different place in Spain but it like that day was jarring but like it wasn't it wasn't that so much as like the months that came later you know like like yeah because just that feeling of like where is where is this person that you care so much about um and it was like yeah just such a tear of like a pull back home but also like a fierce determination to give myself a chance here and I had stayed when I went to college I had stayed together with uh, my high school boyfriend um, as I'm sure many people can relate (laughs) for us things didn't end up working out and I really I really had wished that I had entered college with a clean slate yeah I can totally relate to that too I've had to say I had the same experience and I just felt like I would have made different connections and like had a totally different experience had I allowed myself to be fully present where yes. I was. 
And it maybe sounds a little silly and juvenile to compare like moving abroad to a college experience, but I think as we've talked about before, yes, that is really how I think about it. Because like if if I think about my years of high school, my years of college, where they were in like these four year stints, yeah, I think it's the time band of the four years, yeah, is the, where the connection lives. Yeah, I think you're totally <laughs> right. But and like because like in college it's so clear as like you're a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. The years are so delineated, mm-hmm. and it sort of helped me think about like okay, freshman year was the transition year. Sophomore year I like started to build these deep friendships, and junior year I really came into myself senior year I was doing the things I wanted to do and we had talked about that with moving to Barcelona for me I was like I want this four to seven year time range and everyone was like that's so specific what do you mean you're just gonna like plan your life around like four to seven years abroad but for me it was sitting down and thinking like okay freshman year last year was like the transition year and it was just gonna be sort of like a crazy lost year as I tried to get my bearings and like not lost but like you know, you're planting all of these seeds and yes, you're not sure yes. which ones to water and what's yeah. growing and what's happening. Love the metaphor. Yeah. And then for me, now I'm in sophomore year, if you will. And look, I found my best friend in Barcelona. Roommates. <laughs> the and... little <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that because we're the same age. So maybe you're like the transfer student who's like still <laughs> yes! a sophomore. Okay, great. Right? Great, great. <laughs> so I have like perks and both. Love yeah, it. I like that. And I also like a shout out to all of the friendships that were planted last year from yeah. the people here in Barcelona because I feel like those now are like really flourishing and I feel, you know, so lucky and grateful for that. Um, and then hopefully, you know, junior and senior year are still to come. Yes. Hell yes. Mm, so, okay. You know, I'm diverting from this topic, no, it's okay. which is and actually this sex. Is, but this is our, this is our <laughs> podcast. We can talk about whatever the hell we want. Well, there's a couple more things I want to say on this topic for now. Okay, great. Um, so the other thing that's really cool about this is, I don't know if we've talked about this in the podcast yet, but I identify as bisexual or more like pansexual, but I feel like most people don't know what that means. A quick like side note. So bi would be like you're attracted to both genders, male and female, and pansexual would mean you're attracted to people regardless of gender. So like whatever gender expression they may have, whether it's male or female or trans or dummy girl or just anything in between. And so for me, that's really how attraction works, where it's like I'm attracted to people based on um, you know, who they are and the connection that we have. And I've been attracted to people with multiple different genders. And so I like the identity as bi because I feel like people understand what that means. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm able, like they're quickly able to understand my experience the most. I feel like if I use that label whenever I'm experiencing, whenever I'm explaining things. So anyway, when I moved to Barcelona, one thing that was really cool is, well, I guess a little bit of background on that too. I came out as bi whenever I was 22. So okay. I've definitely had these feelings my whole life. This is a story for another time. Yeah, we'll definitely didn't know how that. to like, didn't know how to <laughs> navigate it and come out and whatever. Definitely officially came out whenever I was 22 and living in Madison. And, um, you know, I had had my job at the time. I had established friendships and it's like a shift and a really hard change to like come out as something new whenever you're in these old roles with Mm. friends and with people and like what does it mean to be out in the workplace and like how are people gonna view you and so one of the things that was pretty cool about moving to Barcelona was just like in college you get to be whoever you want to whenever I moved here it was really important to me that from day one I was out to everyone because if that was just a part of my identity whenever people met me Mm -hmm. it wasn't something that I would need to navigate later yeah um, and so that was another... What was that like? 
it was just fantastic, you know? I mean, it's not like, you know, I meet people and be like, hi, I'm Lauren, I'm bye, how are you? <laughs> right? Like, no, that's not necessary. But, like, whenever the right situation came up where I could, like, be telling a dating story or, like, one of the tricky things about being bi is, like, the bi invisibility where, like, if I'm telling you a story about me dating a man, mm-hmm. you're, like, people will assume that I'm straight. And if I'm, in another context, telling a story about whenever I went on a date with a lady, people are going to assume that I'm a lesbian. Not that I mind being assumed as either one of those, but, like, really, I want people to, like, understand the complexity of my dating life. And as one of my good friends said, like, it's just important to me that they know I might show up to something with a date with a date who's a woman or a date who's a man or a date who identifies as yeah. something different. And, like, I don't want that to be something that people blink an eye at or are taken aback by. I want it to be something that they expect. Mm, yes, so, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I'm so happy and to hear you say so, this. Yeah, it was great. So that was, like, a really fun, um, a fun part of moving here and being able to, like, tell dating stories. And a lot of times when I tell a story then, I would be like, oh, I identify as bi, but in this story, you know, I was dating a man or whatever. So I could, like, slide it in whenever it was relevant. Um, And that's been just, like, a really lovely way to, like, feel seen by the different people that Mm -hmm. I'm around. And actually, with that, there was two roommates I was living with, and they were both very religious, and I didn't come out to them for a long time. And finally... It was like we were at a point where like they needed to know because I was like going on a date and maybe I'd be bringing her back later and like someone I was like we should I should probably explain this and I was so nervous to tell them and they were the only people that I've really been nervous to tell and they were both so cool and supportive yeah I know and so that was like another thing where I was like okay I need to just like let go of like any like I still I don't like that I feel this way still but I still sometimes have like fear and shame around mm-hmm. around coming out because you just don't know what this if the state if the space is going to be safe and like yeah. especially in this roommate situation in the hostel it was like <laughs> I mean I just feel like that's what it's named right in the revolving door it was like you you know I didn't I mean I wanted things to feel good at home of course yeah. so yeah. I'm so glad I'm glad that they were I don't know. They treated you the same way that they would have treated you had they not known that piece of information. Yes. Um, wow. I'm so happy that this like evolved into that part of the conversation. Can I ask a follow up question? Please do. Like we've talked a lot about this, but not like I'm wondering. Okay. So you, when you moved here, you when you were meeting new people or when the situation was appropriate, you were openly, you know, d- declaring your sexual orientation. orientation. Um, but I'm curious if you have noticed differences in terms of like when you're at a social scene and it is the information is known here versus in the U.S. Oh yeah, here it's like is it way more. I just feel it's like it's <clears throat> so normalized. Yeah. Like definitely, especially whenever I'm out in groups of like Spanish friends or Catalan friends. Like one of the things that's been nice is one of my closest friends here. Um, is in a lesbian relationship and like whenever I'm with her group of friends like you know there's people who are lesbian people who are gay like and like all of it is just like fun and normal people who are straight and like (laughs) it's just like a topic of conversation that's like really normalized and hilarious and like I even feel like um yeah I I just feel like it's a topic of conversation that's more normal and like I don't I don't think it's fair to say that's characteristic of Spain I think it's fair to say that's characteristic of Barcelona Mm -hmm. um and I feel like Barcelona is very gay friendly mm-hmm. and like just more accepting overall. overall. Um, and I, agree. I also feel I also feel really like su- super supported and accepted at our place of work, which was really, really powerful because um, that was another huge thing that I had been 
just worried about. I I wasn't openly out at work last mm. year because that's also a difficult thing to navigate with the students because, I mean, I feel like, um, you know, usually as a teacher, as anyone, you're assumed as straight. And then if you're in a relationship that either like confirms or denies that. And we certainly have openly gay and lesbian people at our school. But right. again, like a lot of times that's defined by your relationship status. And so like as a single bi woman, like, how does my sexual my sexual orientation come into play in the classroom? Right. Like, in a way that we would talk about it, that would make sense. Because if I'm talking about my male partner, my students will assume I'm straight. If I'm talking about my female partner, they would assume that yeah. I'm in a lesbian relationship. And, like, not having a partner, like, it's really important to me that my students have strong queer role models in their yeah. lives. Of people who are just normal people doing normal things, yeah. making a positive difference in society and the world, right? as who you are, right? As you are exactly and so that was another huge win this year because um, at the beginning of the year we did this identity intersectionality sort yes. where we were exploring different parts of our identity and I like to make examples for the students so I made like this huge example of like me like my race uh, sexual orientation gender socioeconomic status like religion and you know we start this work in humanities because we study how all of those things impact the characters and books moving forward and their experiences and how they overcome adversity and face oppression and looking at that in history and like it's a really powerful to start with ourselves um and so anyway there was a piece of a piece of my identity of course which is the bi piece and I had a conversation with the principal being like I really want to share this example with the students and yes. like I'm nervous about doing that mm-hmm. and like uh, that makes me sad that I'm nervous because I feel like if I was sharing you know that I had a husband or that if I had a wife like it wouldn't be something to be so nervous about um, and the principal was just so accepting and supportive <laughs> and was like I think it's so important for our students to have yeah. be able to see themselves reflected and see different identities reflected mm-hmm. and so now I've talked for so long it's okay that's like yes. that's a little bit about I guess kind of the journey and and what that means. Oh my God. Thank you so much. I'm like, I have so many things that we have so many avenues that we could, we could go down. Um, and I do want to be um, conscious of time, but, um, I wanted to acknowledge you and just say like, I'm, I was so happy and so proud of you. I remember us walking, I don't know why, like I'm a very visual memory. We were walking from Lesseps down to Fontana and you were sharing this with me and you, you wrote it in a letter to yourself that then you recorded and shared with your students. And I remember you were just glowing that day that oh. you were just so happy with like the way that the students were so receptive and you felt like you had really connected with them on a whole new level like you broke the ice that, that then enabled their your students to be able to talk about those things really freely and openly and they were asking questions of you and it was so beautiful in every way it was so true because the students were like wow you share things with us that like most teachers don't talk about <laughs> You're a real and, human. Like, I felt so seen and like I think my students felt so seen yeah. and like this year has been one of the most incredible years for bonds with my students yes because like it's because I've that's how you started it off authentic yeah. and you were vulnerable it's important to say though that like we're in a space where that's supported and accepted and like I felt like I had support for my administration I already knew I had support from like my peer teachers because last year I'd gone through that process of Mm -hmm. sort of coming out to my friends and like making it known at the school and the teachers so that they knew so that whenever it happened in the classroom you know it wasn't like there would be like weird whispery gossip or like you know I felt like I had a very solid foundation to like be able to come out and like really be who who I am 
And so, mm. yay! Thanks for holding space for that. Of course. Well, that took an unexpected turn. An unexpected turn, but it was beautiful, and I, we got to know another big, big piece of you. Yeah. So thank you for sharing. Thanks that. for holding space. Um. Okay. So next is the card that I chose, which is chocolate chip cookies, and um, have intentions of making them today. Have all the ingredients out on the counter. Just haven't started them yet. Can't wait. Um. So I was thinking a little bit about what I wanted to share on this because, um, well, first of all, chocolate chip cookies are my favorite food. My favorite. Your favorite. Favorite dessert, favorite food, favorite thing to put in my mouth. It is my favorite. It's <laughs> funny on this food. episode. Okay. Favorite food? Okay. <laughs> oh my god, amazing. Um, yeah, chocolate chip cookie dough. Like unbaked chocolate chip cookies or half baked chocolate chip cookies. Do we get to Could eat really chocolate chip this. cookie dough today? Yes, oh yes, my god! Yes. Yeah, and I trust the eggs here, so I have no qualms about eating the raw It's dough. going to be so good. Um, and I, it also is a food and a memory, a um, uh, something that feels like a really core part of my identity because it connects me with my grandma. My mom's mom. So that's why, I, that's why I went to my room and I got this picture so that you can see visual of my grandma. Oh my gosh. This is Grandma Eddie. Oh my gosh. Please just explain a little bit to our listeners what Grandma Eddie looks like. Oh my like. God. She's a goddess. So this is my, my mom's mom. She's in her early 80s, I think. Um, she has blonde hair in a, in a bob. And she's had that same haircut my entire life. And mm. she has the most gorgeous blue eyes. And I don't have, neither of my parents have blue eyes, but, my, but I do. So I know that they've come from her. And like, it is a, it is a serious bond that we have. Um, and Grandma Eddie is a current, she's a, recently a widow. But um, my, my deceased grandpa and her have nine grandchildren. And there's only two girls. I'm the oldest. And then there's one other girl. And Grandma Eddie and I are just really, really connected. Like, I think that just the, being the first girl to be born in the family was one thing. But there are so many similarities in our personalities that really connect us. And I just can tell that whenever I go to visit, because she lives in Florida, mm-hmm. that, like, I, I'm, I feel really special. <laughs> I wouldn't go as far to say I'm the favorite, because I think she really does love everybody really equally. But I feel so special when I'm with her. Oh. And something that we would do together when we were when I was younger was make chocolate cookies together mm-hmm. and she would make them for me like we would go to her house and visit and they'd be already there and then as I got older I would go down to Florida and I would go to Publix and buy all the ingredients and we'd make them together and then in later years like when she would come visit me like I would have them ready like she would come to Connecticut and they'd already be there because oh. I knew that she loves them as much as I do um she's just the most amazing grandma. She's super loving and beautiful. And okay, so where I kind of want to go with this is my grandma has always been so beautiful. She walks into a room and heads turn. And when she was in her, I don't know, like maybe 20s and 30s, I have seen many pictures of her. She was a blonde bombshell. She was like super thin, like big boobs, like beautiful blonde hair. She'd always wear hair and pink tails. <laughs> <laughs> And her, I remember she told me this, her doctor would say to her, like, you need to drink a milkshake every day. You need to put on weight. You're too thin. You need to drink milkshakes every day. And I think, I don't know if she did or not, but she was always just an amazing shape, really like the pinnacle of beauty. And as she got older, like when she was in her fifties or sixties or seventies, like she put on weight. Um, and her, her body type changed as does many people. It's very normal. Right. And she was always, always on a diet. 
she was constantly berating herself in the mirror and just thinking like, oh, we have this bar mitzvah coming up or this special event. Like, I need to lose weight or like, I can't do this until I lose the weight mm. or whatever. We're at a restaurant. Oh, I can't have that. I'm on a diet. And, like, sometimes it would interfere with our ability to eat chocolate cookies. Oh, no, this, like, thing that was so... So special for yes. us. I think I think most of the time, though, she still would. She would be like, I'm on a diet, but for you... But for the chocolate cookies, we're gonna eat we have cookies. to. Yeah, because they're, like, a part of your bond. It's an integral part of our bond. Yeah, it's, like, a part of your the identity of your relationship. Yeah, and I... Okay, so over the summer before I moved this was in early June my mom put together this really massive family reunion and we flew down to Florida and all of my grandpa's cousins and their families were all there so it was there were I think almost a hundred people and I don't know if I told you this I think I might have this was when I had really come to terms with my eating disorder and had spent a lot of time and a lot of work like getting to a point where I felt really strong and really confident in my body and feeling like I really wanted to share my story. Like I wanted other people to know that I had struggled with what I struggled with because I think that I did, I, I worked really hard to hide it when I was going through it. And being with my family, my family are giants. I am very short. I'm five, six and I'm the shortest female cousin. Everyone else is super, super tall. We just have like really big bones in my family. I'm just telling you my aunt who has five kids. I think four out of the five kids were like 10 pounds when they were born. That's we're just crazy. like massive humans. Yeah, and like your family photos of the cousins. <laughs> I was like, wow. My grandpa was like 6'4". It's incredible. 6'3". So anyway, I was, I was feeling so good in my body being in this big family reunion because oh. there were so many people that are literally the same blood as me and I identified with their bodies in mm-hmm. ways that I don't always identify with other bodies when I'm living my own life here. And... There was an opportunity where we were all together on this Saturday night and the night had sort of transitioned to like cocktail hour and I pulled all the women, all of the women of all ages into a room together. It was this tiny little room that was meant for karaoke and we were just shoving people in there. We like couldn't even get the door closed. And I have one aunt who is like in a wheelchair and we just wheeled her in and just shoved the door behind us. And I spoke to everyone, and I think we probably only have about five minutes total in this room. And I, I'm like getting emotional just remembering this because it was really powerful. But I spoke um, about how I had fin- finally found this peace with my body, and and of course it was an ongoing process, and it still is. But I do not want other women in my family to like move forward one day um, any any longer, like shaming themselves or feeling like they need to be on a diet and I looked at my grandma dead in the eyes and I said this this is enough please stop I when I look at you I don't see your weight please just go on continuing to be like the loving amazing woman you are you're wasting so much time and energy being concerned about whether or not you fit into this pair of jeans or that pair of jeans and I'm not saying it as eloquently as I did in this moment but like everyone was crying and yeah, I just I like goosebumps. I just, just looked like, at my right grandma now. and I said like please continue to always be the chocolate chip cookie eating grandma because that's the kind of grandma I want to be and it doesn't matter what the fuck you weigh beauty damn beauty standards seriously and like there were tears and there were women in the room some of whom I know and some of whom I'm I didn't know I'm not familiar with who all identified with what I was saying and there was this one woman who said <clears throat> I've always been really beautiful. She was a former model. 
And I felt so unseen. I felt like all people cared about was what I looked like and they didn't care about what was like inside of me. Yes. I always felt really empty. Yeah. And she just, she's like in her eighties as well. And it was so amazing. And oh. everyone was so happy that I, that I spoke that truth yes. because then it, then it just was, it was so obvious that we had all in some way, shape or form struggled in that same way. Oh, oh. And mm. yes, I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so, I think like all of us as women in the society that we live in can identify with that. Yeah. We're so hard on ourselves oh. and we're, we're missing out on life. That yes. was what it, that was the message I really wanted to like hammer home to my grandma is I love being around you so much. You're so full of energy and spirit and it breaks my heart that you care so much about what you weigh. Mm. And mm. and that has been passed down. Like my my aunt and my mom have struggled with it and my me and my cousin Shauna struggle with it and I don't want to anymore. No. We want to just be who we are. We want to be soft. We want to be feminine and beautiful and it doesn't matter what we weigh you don't ever need to not eat chocolate cookies because of it because of that oh that is so beautiful and just like tying it back together with this theme of sex that was like one of the things that I feel like in the partnership I had with my neighbor like the amount that I just felt 100% comfortable in my own skin and like so loved and seen Mm. for like who I am and have having my body be something that like was very taken care of during that but like didn't define that right yeah. like it was like a part of things like that I think I don't know just that tying to like chocolate chip cookies and <laughs> exactly exactly so comfortable and confident in our own skins like that's what we're searching for mm-hmm. yeah so anyway um much love to my story. grandma. Oh my gosh. Grandma Eddie. Well, I cannot wait to try out Grandma Eddie's cookies later today. And you still <laughs> follow the same recipe. It's the same recipe. Yes. Oh my yes. gosh. Okay. Well, the time has come to transition into our last portion. Yes. Supervirasana. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about something exciting that happened for you this week? Yes, in okay. the client heroes pose. So, I, well, what I can do is I can describe it. Do you want to mm. want to get into the pose? Yes. So I have my yoga mat set out over here, and we're gonna transition you over to this little yoga area of our house. <laughs> yeah, this is perfect. So, okay, reclined hero, hero pose, reclined hero. Um, you are first gonna start your. Um, my God, body I can't speak. kneeling. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> I need you to do this. Okay, I'll explain. No sense of I'll explain getting into this. So I'm starting out kneeling. So I'm sitting with my knees bent. I'm kind of sitting with my hips over my feet, facing the front. And what I'm about to do is I'm gonna move from my feet being right underneath my hips, sitting on the ground. To I'm gonna flip my feet so they're gonna be outside my hips. So my knees are together, my feet are on the ground, and now my hips are planted um, in the ground. And you can see today's illustration for a better illustration of this. And now I'm about to recline myself. So now that my feet and knees are kind of at this like awkward angle on the ground, I'm going to set both my elbows on the ground behind me and my head is going back. And now I'm going to just release my whole body. So I'm laying on the ground. My knees are facing the front wall in front of me, but then my feet are bent underneath me and facing the back. So here I am. Damn girl. In reclined hero's pose. Is this comfortable for you? Um, well, let me explain to you the sensations I'm feeling. Yeah. Really okay, great. Right yes. So I'm feeling a large stretch along my quadriceps. So this is sort of like that pose that runners do, right? Where you like bring your foot behind you standing up. So on both of my quadriceps, I'm feeling a nice big stretch. Um, is that I, hip flexors? Is that the same thing? 
No, hip no. flexors, I'm not feeling right now, but you could feel in this pose. Okay. Maybe like a tiny little bit. But I'm about to extend my arms up above my head. Oh, yeah. And now I feel a nice stretch along my abdomen and like the whole front part of my body and my chest is really opening up. Mm. So when we think about in yoga, we kind of think about opening up, we say the four side bodies, like the front, the back, and then your left side and your right side. And this to me is a front body opening where mm. I'm feeling it along my chest my stomach, um, and in through my hips. Did you know that this is a preparatory asana for back bends? Yes, that makes a lot of sense because that is a huge you're opening up front the front body. of your body. Yep, and right now there is a small arch in my lower back. So I'm feeling kind of like that. Okay, that great. So this there. is exactly what why I have not been able to do this pose for all this time. So the big announcement is I finally did this pose for the first time on Thursday. Woo! I was so proud of myself. You and then I came so home and realized that this was the same pose that we were going to do in our podcast this week. So that was super fitting. Um, also, I think worth mentioning that you said the other day, like, oh my God, our podcast is shaping our life. It is. Because if it wasn't for this podcast, I probably wouldn't have baked chocolate cookies today. Yeah. So maybe I also wouldn't have been able to get into this hero's pose if not for the fact that it was on, it was the card we drew. Um, okay. Well, if we're bringing this up, I also just need to fully fill the listeners in. (laughs) Confession! (laughs) I had so far the most successful Tinder date of my life this weekend. And I don't know you well enough to give you more details than that right now, but the fact that sex was the theme of this week. Our podcast is shaping our life. <laughs> you delivered. In the podcast, I think, just delivered. The podcast me. delivered. The podcast the delivered. delivered. The podcast delivered all the things. Thank you, podcast. Yes. Oh, that's so amazing. Okay, so the thing about this pose in particular, so, okay, I have a very, what I, my dance teacher used to just, my dance teacher used to say, I have a very flexible lower back, but mm. not a strong lower back. Interesting. So I can get super bendy. I can lift my legs behind me very easily, but it's not in a way that is supportive long term. Mm-hmm. I can really hurt my lower back. So often when I when I go like transition to sit into this pose, like the second I go to lean back and I'm all the way down, it it actually hurts. So the reason the way I was able to do it is because I sat on a block. Oh my gosh, how restorative! Yes. Yeah, and then I was able to push through my hip flexors. Yep. I'm sorry that my my yoga vocabulary is not as good as yours so that then this was where the focus was yeah it was opening everything out out of here and it was tucking my tailbone down as opposed to just yeah kind of swaying on the ground and arching everything down it was so good and then once my shoulders were on the ground i lifted my arms up i was like yes i fucking did it oh and you got this beautiful front supported front body opening yes Okay, so how do we see reclined hero's pose tying in with everything we've talked about today? Okay, well, we've definitely touched on the concepts of being open. So being mm-hmm. open about our sexual orientation and being mm-hmm. open about... I mean, for me, like, when I confronted my grandma, it was me just speaking completely from my heart. Yeah. <laughs> All filters aside. And just saying... Please, for the love of God, I don't want you to go to hospice worried about how many calories you're consuming. Oh my God! And that took a lot. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to upset her or offend her, but I needed her to hear this message really loud and clear. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like now as we're talking through this too, it was like we talked about kind of getting into the base of reclined hero's pose where you're either sitting directly over your feet and then you open your feet and are sitting totally 
on the ground with both your um, like your hips really planted into the ground or like as you were talking about the case of being up on a block or you can do this propped up on a blanket as well and when I think about the story of like coming out with my sexual orientation to it with my students I felt like the first year I really was laying that groundwork of the block and the blanket where it was like I needed to make sure that I had the support that was there in order for me to lean back and fully and open up oh I love that so much yes Mm. That was so beautifully said. Mm. Yeah. And so that then the, the day will come when I can remove my block and I can get into the pose. Totally planted on the ground in your body. Or maybe that day won't come because, like, I don't think I'm ever going to feel comfortable just being able to be open with exactly who I am without knowing that I'm in an environment <laughs> that's supportive, right? And, that's like, true. I think that that's one of the things we forget with yoga, too, where people think that, like, the block or the blanket is a means to an end and we want to get rid of the block and the blanket. Mm-hmm. But, like, depending on our bodies, like, the block and the blanket might be exactly what we use for our mm-hmm. whole lives just to get that stretch that we need exactly where it's at. That's beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Um, and something to say about also being warmed up. Oh, so yes. you had to warm up to your students before mm. you were able to share this with them. Yes. You had to lay foundation first. Um, the same way that I asked you to do this pose because I don't think I can do it without being warmed up. Because for me, it's also not just lower back, but hip flexors. Yeah. Super tight. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, so special. Full circle. Full circle. Do you want to pull cards for next week? Yes, I do. So um, one of the suggestions we have is to get situated with our cards for the following week. So right now we're going to get out our cards and draw for you what it is we'll be talking about. Our next topic. So I think this time Sammy is going to draw the theme. So I'm drawing one of my themes, though. Um, you can draw. Matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Our listeners know us both, so maybe you'll be telling two stories next week. Oh, wait. This is food. Shit. Oh. Start over. <laughs> okay, well. Wait, so swap, swap, swap. Swap. Okay. Sorry, listeners. This is our first time. Okay. And the theme is... I feel like we've talked about this already. Oh, wow. But that's good. That's Read okay. it out for them. Disordered eating. I feel like that kind of builds on what we, you know, the things we heard this week. It's going to build on what we started. Yeah. Yeah. And now I can tell other aspects of that story. All right. So next week you'll be hearing about disordered Disordered eating. eating. And what's the food, Lauren? The food for next week is honey bunches of oats. Ooh. Ooh. So this is, um, those are both Sammy's stories. Is that okay? Absolutely. Okay. We're going to get some good background on you next week, Sammy. Fabulous. And then the yoga pose that we'll be tying it together with, go ahead and just pick a random you one from, oh me? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to pick a random one from Close this pile. And our yoga pose for next week is, oh wow, cow facing pose the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's Gomukasana. Go okay. Mm-hmm. Cow facing pose. Cow facing pose. I've we never will... heard like the English translation to this one. Yes. We'll fill you in on what that looks like next week. Okay. So with that, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much.